0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Here's my opening passage, Isaiah 43, 18 through 20, reads, Forget the former things. Forget them. Do not dwell on the past. A little easier said than done, but it's God's Word. Amen? Amen. See, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I love this. I am making a way in the wasteland. A way in the wasteland. And streams in the desert. Hold on to those thoughts. I want you really to go back these next two passages, great passages to go back and read this week, think about them in quiet times, make little three by five cards. This is a great passage for us as a church. This is a great passage for you. This is a God that does new things. This is a God that is still creating. This is a God that says to the person that's experiencing my life feels kind of like a wasteland. He's got a way for you. Some of us, were thirsty spiritually. God's saying, I've got some real water for you. And when we're in this place, we're empty emotionally, we're empty spiritually, we're empty financially, we're empty relationally, we're empty whatever it might be. It's always God. It's always God that's our source. It's always God that meets our needs. He blesses us. Amen for that. But you can't get hung up on the blessings. You've got to focus on what He's trying to do with you, and that's develop a strong relationship with you. And so, that's what a lot of this is about, I believe, and that's where we're going tonight. Um, Psalm 138, verse 7, another great passage, I think, for us to be thinking about this week. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, or drive in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You know, I'm in the car, and I want a pick-me-up. What do do you do? I I try and find a great song. I want some good chips. Yeah, exactly. I know it. Uh, You know, I want Tanya to send me a nice text with um, like a little thumbs-up or a little heart. You know, that's a little pick-me-up. I like that. I like that. Uh, No, no, no. It's God. It's God that revives us. You stretch out your hand against my foes. You stretch out your hand against my foes. And with your right hand, you save me. That's what he's trying to say to us tonight. And I want you to really hear those words. He knows our trouble. He knows our difficulties. And he knows our frustrations. It's God that revives us. Not necessarily the resolution of the frustration or the problem. Lots of times, we just don't really know how outcomes are going to go or resolute or things there's things in our lives that will never be resolved but it's always God that revives us it's always God that revives the heart it's always God that breathes life into the soul and that's what we need tonight he's got this mighty hand a big hand Isaiah 48 49 I think it's 49 the palm of his hand the breadth of his hand stretches across the entire universe it's a big hand that's a hand that can work some good stuff in your life. That's a hand that can work some good stuff in your heart. That's a hand that can work some good stuff in your mind. Uh, you've noticed my big condors up here, so <laughs> I'm going to get to that. We used to sing, remember, some of us oldies? Yeah. Revive us again. There it is. Billy's <laughs> heart with a... Uh. We praise you, O God, for the Son of your love. For Jesus, who died and is now gone above, we praise you, O God, for your Spirit of light, who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. It's a great song. Revive us again. Revive us again. And um, we need to be thinking again, here in January, here with your life, here with your children, here with your spouse, here with your school, here with your issues, here with your life, what is God doing with you? What is God doing with us collectively? Ah, stoking a fire. This is God. work of God. He's always stoking a fire. He's always bringing a thing back to life. Right? Jesus, His death, and His resurrection is going to end up being the centerpiece of the whole story of the Bible. This is the thing that's supposed to bring us great inspiration and great joy and great heart. And so we've got to remember that, yeah, we—it's it, His Son, it's His work in our lives. He's always reviving us, revive us again. Can you ever be too old? Can you ever be too old? I got a glitter girls amen on that one. I think teens, can you ever be too old? That's pretty weak. Pray for a little revival over on that side of the room. Okay, amen. C.S. Lewis, getting over a painful experience is like crossing the monkey bars. You have to let go at some point in order to move on, or else you're just going to swing back and forth on those little things. Get some serious blisters on your hands as well. So, think about this. We get all these um, stories, you know, Facebook and whatever. It's ah, the polar bears are dying. That's, uh, yeah. The whales are dying. And um, the fish are dying. And the spotted owls, they kill me. I love those guys. The spotted owls are dying. The the red panda, is he doing? I don't know how he's doing. He's okay. The bumblebee's down. We've got some serious creatures that are having trouble right now. Back in the 1980s, mid-80s, the California condor population was at roughly 12. I'm not sure exactly who's counting, but we were at about 12 condors. Great bird. This bird, it's a giant bird. It's got about a nine-foot wingspan. That's just a giant bird. Nine-foot wingspan. And... um, I might need a fact check here. Again, I've not counted birthdays. But they say they can live up to 90 years. It's kind of like the sequoia of birds. It's like the sequoia of birds. So they started, they captured all the birds. Let's find all 12. We've got to capture all 12. We've got to start a repopulation program or we're going to lose them all. In 1987, they captured the last condor. Okay, They got them all, all the ones they knew of, and they got them in this program. They put tags on them. You see the tags? There's 18, right? Um, They get these tags. So in the mid-90s, roughly 90 birds were reintroduced back into the wild. And what they've done is they've got these big nets out, a couple of them, out in Kern Valley and I don't know exactly, a couple of other places. And they keep a couple of these populations captive, and then they take roughly half of them after they get to a certain level, and they reintroduce them back into the wild. And now, in the wild, we've got about 400 of them. We've got about 400 of them. That's, that's a great story. We've got about 400 of these guys flying around. So, you know, you, you get the news pitch of the, the polar bear. He's, he's down and out. He, he's going down. And you just sort of go, yeah, and there's no coming back. I mean, you just want to have a funeral for him right now. No. We could have buried this bird years ago in the 90s, in the 80s. Um, Obviously, these birds, especially for California, one of our great symbols of freedom, uh, they're meaningful. Um, They say a lot about a healthy ecosystem. They say a lot about spiritually, emotionally, freedom. Um, Condors, what happened? What was the problem? Real fast. Uh, Loss of habitat, right? Right. Um, they're real sensitive to lead, just about everything's real sensitive to lead, but a lot of lead poisoning in the birds after they did some um, um, uh, dissecting them. And the worst thing was a lot of DDT in the system. So DDT is a pesticide, so you're out there far- with the farming, DDT, throw the DDT down to kill um, all your bugs. And uh, this gets into the ecosystem, gets into the water. And so what was happening is the bird, DDT, what it does is, you don't just die DDT poisoning, it makes you sterile. So you can't reproduce a viable egg. And so that's why these birds were dying off. A lot of the big hawks as well, but really affected the condors um, probably more than anybody. So those are your big, uh, kind of the usual suspects, but that's what was happening. Uh, What about us as people? Um, Christians. Let me shift gears. It's time for us. We have to really think about our habitats. We have to really think about our habitats. The places we go. The places we go. Right? Um, We know that Paul says in 1 Corinthians, uh, you know, we use this with our kids a lot. Bad company corrupts good character. character." That's habitat. That's habitat. You just put yourself in a bad place, bad things are going to happen. Right? And I love our teens. I love our camps. And people. We all thought this a long time too. There's people I'm reaching out to and they're at a frat party. I'm going to go and evangelize. I'm going to go share my faith at the frat party. I tried it. And it's the, like the old metaphor. It's great, right? It's the guy on the chair, and I'm on the chair. I'm trying to pull the guy up at the frat party. What happens? Yeah, it's just a lot easier to get pulled down than to pull the guy up. And so, right, just sort of your basic: who do we, who are we spending time with, right? Habitats. What kind of habitats are we on in our computers? What kind of habitats are we on in our phones? What kind of habitats are we in? Where do we spend time? Where, where are we seen? Who are we with? Um, habitats affect us. There's no Christian. There's no Christian that's strong enough that can go into sustained toxic habitats and not die. Poisoning. People poison minds. We get a lot of poison. A lot of poison in our minds. A lot of poison. Lust is a poison. Greed, Greed is a Poison. Selfishness is a poison. Self righteousness is a poison. Judgmental a poison. We have some real poisons in our mind. And and you gotta be really humble. God says in uh, Paul says in Romans one, powerful passage. Really scares me, right? He's talking about not giving God glory and recognizing him for who he is in his life. This leads to issues, problems, sin. But he says this one thing at the end of that chapter about how God will give them over to a depraved mind. That says a lot. That's quite a statement. You can have a normal mind and then it be given over, changed over to a depraved mind. You can have a healthy mind and it can be lost. It can become broken. You can have a calm mind and it can become you know, frantic. You can have a happy mind that becomes depressed. I mean, there's a lot of things. The brain, it's kind of fragile. Watch out for that. I think that's serious. That's humbling. I read that and I just think, wow. Yeah, uh, 100 billion neurons. I don't know exactly what's going on in there, but I want to be humble, and it all starts with God. Amen? Amen. And what about this DDT for the Christian? We know Kant, uh, Immanuel Kant, famous German philosopher, is the first one. It wasn't a Christian. It was actually Kant that says, you know, uh, giving um, his defense, giving... Support for being a good moral person. His his argument for being a good moral person. Should you be a good moral person? Is really simple. He's the one that says, um, you know, there's there's the moral reasonings. He calls this a moral imperative. If everybody did what you did, what would the world be like? That's Kant. So if you if you cheat, okay, you can cheat. Is that right or wrong? Well, what if everybody cheated? Oh. And the whole world is full of cheaters. Can you lie? Is lying right or wrong? Should I lie? Well, what if everybody lied? What if I cheated on my spouse? What if I cheated on my taxes? What if I blah, blah, blah. Right? If everybody reproduced what I was doing, where does the world end up? Obviously, a great Christian idea for us, the moral reasoning, the moral imperative. Uh, what do what, what are, what are three or four or five more tods do out in the world? It's a scary thought. What do two, two or three or four more Anthony Yangs do out in the world? There you go. Right? What are, what's two more Nicks do out in the world? Yikes. No. no, I actually wish we had a couple more. I actually wish we had a couple more. I wish we had a couple more. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. And I think this is a big deal, too, for us. We know that God's people are always moving. God calls Abraham to go. That's his first challenge. is You have to leave your home. You have to leave your father. Go. And God tells the Hebrews when they're um, in Egypt, he was going to save them, but they have to go. You have to leave Egypt. And, of course, we use this a lot. Jesus' last words to the disciples is go. Go and make disciples. Go and reproduce yourself. Amen. And I think about that. I think, you know, how are we at reproducing ourselves? Where are we at in reproducing ourselves? Is it a good idea to reproduce us right now? Reproduction, the ability to reproduce, is, is, is a really important health thing. If you're healthy, you can reproduce. If you're not healthy, you can't reproduce. And I wonder if in us as Christians, in us as a church, we've got the DDT effect. We've got some good people, but they're not viable. They can't reproduce. And then what happens? We're going to suffer the same fate as the condors. So we've got to get ourselves in a place where we're healthy enough, where we can go. Abraham, healthy enough, go. Hebrews, through the, through, the, through the desert, through the wilderness. Healthy enough, early disciples, to go. To go into another area, to go into another land, to go to another country, to go to places where you don't speak the language, to be poor, to suffer. We have to embrace those things. We always have to go. Otherwise, I think we make ourselves susceptible to DDT, spiritual poisonings. Okay, I'll get back to that. There's no success, Sophocles says. No success without hardship. Second Corinthians four one. Here's where I really want to sort of land today. This is a great passage about revival again, about renewing. Let's just read that. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse one. Second Corinthians four, verse one. Alright, church, are you there? Yeah, yeah. 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 Amen. Therefore, Since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. Rather, we've renounced secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. But on the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Therefore, because we have this mercy, because of God's mercy, because of this minute we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. You know what happens to people? They lose heart. You're an athlete and you lose. You get really discouraged. If you're in a relationship and it doesn't work out, you break. Oh, you feel that one. You lose a job. Oh, gut wrenching. You want a job, you get a call back, they hire the other guy. Oh painful. Painful. I mean there's just so many experiences that we go through day in, day out that make us put us in this place of a bruised, broken, hurting heart. And Paul says we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. Because of God, because of his mercy, we don't lose heart. What is the condition? What is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? We could take your heart and put it up there. It looks like what? What? What's the condition of your heart? Every single one's different. It's not just black, white. It's not just off, on. Everyone's got a texture. Everyone's got a shape. What's the shape of your heart? Paul says we don't lose heart. We don't fall down. We don't quit. We don't give up. We don't lose heart. And I want, to, I want you to think about this. I want you to think, we don't lose heart. So what do we do? We get humble. We get humble. Read another passage with me here. Isaiah chapter 57. You're love this passage. Isaiah chapter 57. I go here a lot when I just need it, and you'll get it. Because sometimes you're out there and it's hard, and you just sort of wonder, I'm praying. Is God there? Is He listening? What am I doing? What am I doing? Where is He? In Isaiah 57, verse 15, the prophet says this, For this is what the High and Lofty One says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, past the condors. (laughs) But also with him, her who's contrite, humble, Lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly. And to revive, revive the heart of the contrite. He lives in this high place. What? Heaven. He lives in heaven. He lives in heaven. And he lives with the humble. He lives in heaven and he lives with the lowly. He lives in heaven and he lives with the contrite. He, he, he's up there at the heavenly throne and with the poor in spirit. Eternity, the place where we're going, book of life, angels, that's where He lives. And in the heart of the poor, the lowly, the contrite. And this, is a, this has been a lifelong lesson for me. And I always, you know, when I'm not feeling close to God, when I'm not feeling connected to God, yeah, usually it's something around here. I've got to be lonely. I've got to be lowly. I gotta be contrite. I need to be humble. I need to start over. I need to remember who I am. I'm a little guy. Well, you're six foot four, five. Yeah, but if you stand next to a sequoia, you know how you feel? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Little. You go stand to a little dumb eucalyptus tree, you're pretty little. You stand in front of a ten foot building. You're still little. Who who are we? Little. Just little things. Eight, you know, seven and a half billion of us. Little, small. I got to remember, you got to remember, we're small. Yeah. And he's really big. So we start with being humble. We don't lose heart. Right. We don't lose heart. We get humble. Yeah. Amen. Amen? We don't lose heart. We get, we get hungry. Get hungry. Get hungry. Get good energy in that, right? Get hungry. And you know, you got a burrito, you got a Chipotle burrito coming your way. You're hungry, there's a big steak at home. You're hungry? Your mom's making your favorite chicken enchiladas? Oh my gosh. You get hungry. You don't lose heart. You get hungry. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 6 um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not blessed are those who want to be right. Not blessed are those who want more blessings. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. They'll be filled. We don't lose heart. We get humble. We don't lose heart. We get hungry. We don't lose heart. We get a new head. Amen? Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. This is about the new man. Let's read this one with me. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 9. Don't lie to each other. That's nice. The Bible says that. Thank you. Thank you. You can go home now. Don't lie to each other. (laughs) Since you've taken off, there it is, your old self, your old head. Take that old head off. With its practices. And that word is a good word practices. It's about patterns. Practices, patterns. Uh, What are your habits? What are your habits? What if we followed you around? What habits? And we all have some good habits. The power of habit. That's popular, been a popular book the last few years. And we all have some bad habits. What are our practices? That, right, that we need a new head. And put on the new self, which being which is being renewed in knowledge and in the image of its creator. Let me read that again. And put on the new self, the new head, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here There is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Amen. We don't lose heart. We get humble. We don't lose heart. We get hungry. We don't lose heart. We get a new head. Many of us got some patterns in our thinking that just got to go. And we know what they are. And we just got to sort of own them and get some light in there and talk to people about it and write it down. Goals are great. And make some goals. I want to stop doing mm, bad. That's a good goal. That's a good goal. I want to start doing fill in the blank good instead of bad. That's a great start. You're off and running. We need a new head. We've got to be humble. we got to get hungry. Frederick Douglass, there's no struggle. If there's no struggle... There's no progress but we hate struggle we hate it I hate traffic I hate running out of money I hate problems in the home you know we've got marriage and we've got kids and there's nobody that doesn't have some problems at home and we all got a long way to go nobody's at the top of their mountain nobody's at the top of their mountain with no struggle there's no progress And we just need to remember that we're still right in the middle of this thing where God is taking a person, trying to reshape them, shape the bad out, and shape Jesus back in. And so we don't lose heart. He's trying to shape your parents out and shape Jesus in. He's trying to shape your culture out and shape Jesus in. And maybe He's trying to shape some of your work stuff out and shape Jesus in. He's trying to shape impurity out and shape purity in. He's trying to shape doubt out and shape faith in but that only happens with some real grinding and pulling and pushing and hardship and that's our only way forward and so tonight we don't lose heart and we trust in a god a creative god a god with a giant hand that he can revive us again Wow, that is amazing. And that is the end of the sermon. You won't even believe it. God bless you. We'll try and turn the lights back on. And um, God bless the church. Let's bow our heads. And we'll just have a prayer and see if the lights come back on. Amen. No, that's perfect. That's my last slide. I, just, I told John I'd be done at 7. I'm proud. That's good. God. John Thorne, turn out the lights. Father, you're so good to us. Never stop loving us. We can really mess up our lives. And sometimes as dads, we mess up our families and our marriages. And sometimes as moms, wives, we mess up our families and marriages. And sometimes as kids, we mess up our homes. Sometimes as students, we fail. And sometimes in the workplace, we don't do good. And God, I just pray you really, you know, you're the author, you're the perfecter of our faith. Dig dig, dig down into our hearts. Revive us. I love that psalm. You you bend down to make us great. And I just pray that you really show uh, great mercy on us. And I pray not one tonight loses heart. And that you revive us all. Be with us and our families. Be with our church. Dark world. We want to be a great light to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.